Hey everybody, Economic Ninja here. I hope you are doing great. I am so excited. I've had this guest on before. Uh, he is incredible when it comes to investing in the mining commodities resource sectors. Uh, let me just dive right in. It is Rick Rule. Rick, how are you doing? Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity to visit with your audience again. Oh, you're in, you are incredible. Uh, and, and I don't mean to, to, to really build you up, but, or maybe I do. But today we're going to talk about something different um, because normally it's uh, we're talking about economics, either macro or, or, you know, what the news is of the day. But I want to talk about your background and your history, because so many people on this channel, the Economic Ninja, want to aspire to, uh, to grow wealth and build generational wealth. And you have done that. And so I want to talk about how you got your start. Um, and we could go anywhere from you're working with Sprott or anything, your college days, let's go. Well, if you go all the way back to my college days in 1970, uh, I was an immigrant. Uh, always a contrarian, rather than moving from Canada to the United States, I moved from the United States to Canada. Uh, <laughs> and I attended the University of British Columbia, which among other things had, uh, as far as I know, the only then existing uh, major in natural, natural resource finance in the Western hemisphere. Wow. Uh, unlike a lot of college kids, I set out to do what I ended up doing. One consequence of that was that uh, as a young immigrant, I had to put myself through school. Yeah. And being fairly large and having boxed as a kid, the only marketable skill I had in Canada uh, was being a bouncer, a fighter. <laughs> and I did that. And through one mistake after another, uh, I went from working in skid row bars to owning a, a very upscale establishment downtown while I was still in university. So I started my business career uh, in the hospitality business, not out of desire, but rather uh, out of need. Yeah. As soon as I had been successful enough in that business that I could sell it uh, and use the proceeds to go back into natural resource investing, I, in fact, did that. Okay. But one wonderful consequence of that is my original career aspiration had been to be an international tax lawyer focusing on natural resources. Wow. I know that sounds very boring, and it probably was. But big uh, money, that's, that's probably a pretty well-paying job. Well, it was interesting to me. Uh, in... in in that circumstance, I met a spectacular Canadian tax lawyer Yeah, in the bar nice. uh, and uh, was seeking career advice from him. And, and he was very useful early on in my career. He said, Rick, you are a, a natural business person. Yeah. Uh, and if you suffer through law school, I will, in fact, hire you. I'll spend three years disabusing you of all the idiocy they pumped into your head in law school. Yeah. And after 10 years, you'll be a decent, but not a great lawyer. I'll hire you because you'll bring me lots of business. You'll be a rainmaker, but you'll be a miserable human being. Wait, wait, wait I, can I jump in? What, no, yeah. why, did, why did he have that much confidence in you being a rainmaker? He just watched me. Uh, he knew that I was intensely curious. Okay. Uh, I, I think he knew that I asked a lot of questions and listened fairly well, uh, and that it was easy for people to like me and have faith in me. Yeah. Uh, he had watched me build the hospitality business and knew I could build businesses. And the upshot of that is he said, as a businessman, you will make a natural investor. Okay. And one of the best investors in the world lives here in Vancouver. Okay. His name is Peter Kundal. You don't know him, but he no. knows you and oh. he likes you. Oh, no way. <laughs> this, That's this awesome. is the lawyer telling me this. And since he said, oh, wait, you're talking I, about you, not me. Yeah. The, the I lawyer got super excited me, there Peter, for a second. The, the Peter Kundal would like me. And he said, um, 
rather than talking to me about your career, you should talk to him about your career. Wow. Now, this isn't what I wanted to hear because I wanted to be a lawyer, but I thought, you know what? I asked this guy for advice. So I ought to take it. Yeah. And I met with Peter Kundal out of politeness. And in half an hour, he changed my life. He really? absolutely positively changed my life. How is that? Well, he gave me a book uh, uh, called The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. And he said, investing, if you're a business person, just means assigning uh, or, or determining whether the entrepreneur who you invest in has traits that you think are suited to the task at hand. And the fact that you've already built a business suggests that you have access to that type of intangible knowledge. Okay. Uh, and so I decided, no, I'll read the book. I'll give this guy a chance. Uh, picked the book up, never put it down. Wow. <laughs> and my mentorship under Peter Kundal began the next week. Uh, World-famous value investor basically taught me <laughs> in the first two years most of the important parts of everything that I learned since. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I got a very, very, very great break yeah. early on. Well, let me ask you this. So how did, going back to when he said, there's, a, there's an attorney that knows who you are, but you don't know him. How did he know you? Was he in your bar? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, he, he watched me build the hospitality business. And although he had very, very good habits during the day, he had some bad habits at night. I understand, uh, I understand. <laughs> But he was watching you and he was drawn to your personality, it sounds like. Both yeah. of them, it sounds like, were. Right, right. Okay. They, they looked at some of the unique things I did in terms of marketing and the way that I organized compensation for my staff differently than everybody else in town. Yeah. Uh, and they looked at the outcome. You know, I went from being a penniless immigrant to, mo to you know, uh, owning or co-owning uh, the most successful bar nightclub in Vancouver while I was still in university. You know, I, I got to jump in really quick because I actually have a favorite uh, pub that I go hang out with. And there's a, an amazing manager that walked in and completely turned this place around. And it was because of his, it's almost like the guy was glowing. He was so happy to be there. It showed his staff was always happy. And myself and other business uh, men and women that hang out there talk about him. So I can only imagine these gentlemen watching you saying the same thing, like, well, look at this guy, Rick, he's, he's crushing it. And this place is growing, you know, it's that good feeling. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because there are so many people that have a job right now and they're doing very well, but they don't even think that they could take that success. Like you did the, the personality and use it in investing. Well, you know, there was a few interesting lessons there. Uh, I didn't actually like the bar business. Okay. Uh, I had to be in it. I had to make money. Yeah, but I looked at it and I thought, what are other people doing poorly that I could do well? What are the essentials of this yeah. business? Uh, some of your viewers will hate this. It's very inc politically incorrect. Yeah, but no, they'll probably boy, love it. Just, you know, <laughs> in a boy meets girl bar, mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of boys. Yeah. The question is, how do you find girls? Yep. So my first marketing thing was, uh, as an example, to get the concierge at a hotel yeah. to put a rose on the pillow of every Canadian Pacific Airlines stewardess uh, with a free drink card from me. Uh, wow. Then I, <laughs> then I went around as a young guy to all the cosmetics counters at all the major department stores yeah. uh, and said to the, the young women who were selling cosmetics to pretty girls, here, I'm going to give you these cards. This is you buying a drink for some of your best customers. Uh, I'll buy the drink. You get the credit. You just make sure I see the girls. Uh, and wow. so for about six weeks, uh, I set about, uh, understanding that my basic business was boy meets girl. Yeah. Uh, taking curl of the girl equation. 
Yes. And once I took care of the girl equation, the boy equation took care of itself. Oh, that's awesome. The second thing I did is I looked at the fact that uh, in the hospitality industry, the service part of the business is really a sales job. Yes. And the people who were serving in my establishment were, and in the industry, uniformly underpaid. Yeah. And I decided that if I could link pay to performance, mm -hmm. that I would have a higher standard of service in my business. Wow. So I was the first person I know of that I, I paid everybody guaranteed minimum wage. Okay. Uh, but more importantly, I established a grid. Uh, and sales above a certain less a certain level <clears throat> uh, generated a commission. Okay, wow. So I ended up paying a high end away the most compensation of any uh, bar in Vancouver. But as a percentage of sales, despite the fact that I paid more compensation, I had compensation bills as a percentage of sales lower than anybody else because my service was so much better. Wow. Uh, in other words, I, uh, I linked uh, compensation to performance. And when did it, what ended up happening is, you know, I would ask the young women who were um, waitresses for me, yeah. you know, I said, said, you know, your job isn't over at the end of the shift, two o'clock in the morning. Your job when you're going about your daily business is making sure that you're marketing and filling your section. Yes. And so rather than myself generating all the inbound business, I basically had every employee in the place, the bartenders, the busboys, the bouncers, uh, everybody uh, on a compensation system that aligned everyone's interests. And I think that my uh, ability to see the rather immediate impact of focusing on the essential parts of the business yes. and generating uh, returns made me a much better securities analyst. Wow. Uh, securities is all about numbers. It's all yes. about assets, but yeah. it's also all about understanding the interplay between unique insights and then the income statement and then the balance sheet. And I was able to figure that out when I was 20. And Peter Kundal explained to me how my own experience building a business would make me a better analyst at watching the way other people built their businesses. Things that Ben Graham teaches, durable, durable competitive advantages, a moat around your enterprise, you know, an intellectual moat around your enterprise, differentiating yeah. your franchise, all the things uh, that they teach in rather advanced schools of securities analysis, mm -hmm. I learned on the street. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm sorry. My mind's, I'm sitting here like a, a big mouth bass. My mouth just dropped because I'm, I'm, ideas are abounding. So, okay. So you went from a business owner, like from an immigrant, to, from rags to riches, pennies to, to crushing it. But you, you went from the bar business, you started, you had a mentor or two, it sounds like, and then you started diving into security. So let's take it from there because you, you worked with some pretty awesome people. The story gets better, actually. Yeah. Um, in my 20s, uh, I, I didn't become successful. I became stupidly successful. Okay. I, I had the incredible good fortune of going into the natural resources business in, you know, 1970, 1971, 1972, 1973. Like right I mean, at the bottom, right? Yeah, right the, the, gold, the gold yeah. price over the course of the decade went from $35 to $850. The oil yep. price went from 30, from, pardon me, from three to 30. Uh, I made the typical young man's mistake of confusing a bull market with brains. In other words, <laughs> no, that's so true. <laughs> the fact that I made a lot of money 
yeah. uh, being full of testosterone, uh, I, I believed had something to do with me. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that I forgot the lessons that I'd learned early on. Uh, it was convenient for me to believe like the Club of Rome believed that raw materials prices were going to go up forever. Oh, yes. It, it was convenient for me to believe that I was a blue eyed chic. Yeah. Uh, and the consequence of that is that I forgot that markets work, that the cure for high prices is high prices and the cure for low prices is low prices. Yep. Uh, full of hubris uh, and no wisdom whatsoever. Uh, I learned very painfully that markets do work. And I went yeah. from being an extraordinarily wealthy, hubris ridden, allegedly successful young man to on my birthday in 1982, having a seven figure negative net worth. Wow. Which is to say liabilities in excessive assets. Yeah. Uh, that was extremely unpleasant. Yeah. But it ended up being very useful. Uh, I've told people since that the commissions or fees I charge them are compensation for the scar tissue that I save them. It's <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, you know, because you've already a, had was, that injury. You've already had that emotional, mental it, issue. It, it was a really good lesson yeah. about the fact that markets work. Uh, in natural resource investing, you are either going to be a contrarian, which is to say invest when prices are low, or you are going to be a victim. Yes. Those are your two choices. Uh, and experiencing that incredible bull market yeah. and the hubris that a bull market can cause, particularly in a young male, mm -hmm. uh, and then experiencing the other side of that, experiencing the fact that the backside of a J-curve chart is just as steep as the front side, but a lot less fun. Yeah, uh, has uh, allowed me to be a better investor. And it's allowed me to help literally thousands of people wow. in the natural resource and conventional financial services investing spaces. You know, I could talk to you about this forever, but we only have limited time. And this is perfect segue to when you're talking about helping other people, having those mental uh, and emotional slides of remembering how painful it was and the lessons learned. And we don't want to repeat lessons. You have an offer that you always talk to people about on channels about uh, looking at their portfolio. Can you talk about that? I do. I actually have uh, two offers, if you'll permit me to make them. Yes. The first is in natural resources. Uh, if you care about what I think about the subject in general, but more specifically, your own portfolio, go to a website, ruleinvestmentmedia.com. List your natural resource stocks. Please, by the way, no crypto. Please, no tech stocks. Please, no pot stocks. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's not what you do. Yeah, it's not what you do. Yeah. I'll rank them one to ten. Yeah. If I have uh, an opinion we're sharing about the company, I'll, I'll make a comment. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no obligation for this. Be patient. I'm about 400 rankings behind. <laughs> but once again, ruleinvestmentmedia.com. Yeah. The other thing, and I, this is really amusing. As you know, I'm 69 years of age. I'm allegedly retired. Yeah. And I'm celebrating retirement by starting a bank. Uh, if any of your listeners or subscribers are interested in doing a, a business with a real old-fashioned bank, uh, one that has money in it. Yeah. Uh, one that doesn't speculate in derivatives, one that loans against good collateral, and one that pays deposit interest in the highest decile of deposit interest in the United States. On that uh, rankings request form under questions and comments, simply insert the word bank, and we will keep you up to speed on the progress with Battle Bank, the new nice. bank that we're forming. I should tell you, too, this is an outgrowth of a bank that we formed in the late, late 1990s called EverBank. Oh, that many of your subscribers probably would have been customers of. Yes, that, that, that bank was built from a standing start to about $28 billion in assets under management. Before I, I do remember it. 
the old management team uh, or part of the old management team, the old chief executive officer is an example, uh, is, is now I'm backing them again, starting Battle Bank. So I would love to be able to battle for your subscribers lending and deposit business. Okay, I'm not joking because guys, I didn't know that Rick was going to talk about this, but um, I got a direct message from him uh, a while back or DM from um, on LinkedIn. And it was about, hey, I'm starting a bank. And I'm like, I like, texted him back. I'm like, Rick, I think you've been hacked. <laughs> I thought that was my answer. And then like, I start looking, I'm like, oh, he's not joking. And I'm like, I'm interested. So how's this? I'm going to get the, the direct link to get you to Rick. Uh, if you are interested in, in looking into that bank, uh, I am going to be doing it personally. And I'm going to put that in the comment section below. Awesome. Rick, I thank you so much. I, I want to talk, keep talking about this stuff because I love hearing people that are wildly successful like yourself talk about what it was like starting out. So going from boxing to clubs to owning a bar to securities and now where you're at now, that gives me a lot of hope. So I thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Like the Grateful Dead said, what a long, strange road it's been. <laughs> well, well said. Well, thank you so much. And guys, everyone, Check out that link that I'm going to put in the comment section below. And with that being said, the Economic Ninja is out.